Private Lender Podcast, Episode 139. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who said, Many people take no care of their money till they come nearly to the end of it, and others do just the same with their time. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Hello, Private Lender Nation, and welcome to episode 139 of the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and I'd like to thank you for sharing your time with me today. If you're looking for practical tips and advice on how to put the power of the banking system into your investment accounts, then you are in the right place. But if you want to learn from my mistakes so that you can both avoid them and profit from them, well, then pull up a chair and pour yourself a drink, my friend, and take some notes, because this podcast is just for you, as I'm dedicated to giving people just like you and me the knowledge and confidence for successful and profitable private lending. In today's episode, I sit down and talk with the Texas title queen, Rachel Luna from Patriot Title Company, who has graciously agreed to come on today's episode and drop a ton of knowledge around the topic of title insurance, what it covers, what is not covered, and where to find things in the policy. But before we get to the heart of today's episode, first, a little bit of housekeeping. Number one, I'm about to lose my voice. The kids had a soccer tournament over the weekend. They won the first two games, lost the third. However, it was exciting. It was a blood pressure event. It was a good tournament. Proud of the kids, but I shot my voice. I threw it out. So rather than waiting, I figured, hey, I'm just going to make everybody suffer with me. So that's the first bit of housekeeping. The second bit of housekeeping is, have you joined the Private Lender Podcast Facebook group? Facebook group. How about that? The Private Lender Podcast Facebook group. Well, if you haven't, why the hell not? Head over to the show notes page for the link or simply search in Facebook groups for Private Lender Podcast. Click on apply or join, I should say, answer just a few questions to let me know that you are a private lender and not just looking for deals or looking for money and not just looking to boost up your groups, but actually going to help add value to the community. Answer those questions. I'll let you in and then let you get started. Also, while you're at it, head on over to privatelenderacademy.com and click on apply now to learn more about putting the power of the banking system into your investment accounts or get some one-on-one time with me. I can answer your questions and show you my mistakes. That's privatelenderacademy.com slash apply. All right, housekeeping is finished and now it's time to get to the heart of today's episode. Today's guest has been providing title insurance and escrow services for Houston area investors for about as long as I can remember. I caught up with Rachel Luna at the Flipco Financial Meetup a few months ago and was excited that she agreed to come on and talk about title insurance for this simple reason. Everyone, including me, uh, says that you must have it, but very few people really understand why you need it. So I'm going to let Rachel answer that for you, and I think you're going to enjoy this. She's dynamite. She is a Miss Personality. She's a pistol. She's a load of fun, very energetic, very knowledgeable, very smart. And so I'm just going to let her get down to the brass tacks of today's episode, and let's get to the interview with Rachel Luna from Patriot Title. Lender Nation, I want you to buckle up today, because we're going to have a fun conversation about a boring topic. And my guest today has come in and is going to bring all the enthusiasm and all the excitement into something that nobody 
or very few lenders even think about, and that is title insurance, exceptions, exclusions, and endorsements. Welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. Hey, Rachel Luna here, Patriot Title. Hi, guys. It's going to be an amazing show with some amazing information. Like you said, with some boring subject. Topic. I, I can't thank you enough that like you are the perfect person to come on and talk about this because you're going to bring life to it. You already have just, you know, starting out with it. So <laughs> let's talk about you for a moment before we get into the doldrums I, and the coffee stuff. Like, tell us about you. How did you become the Rachel Luna? Oh, the Texas title queen, as they call me, or the title queen. Well, you know what? I started this business many, many years ago, and I was really passionate about it and being able to help people grow their business in real estate and help along the way people accomplish one of the biggest dreams and purchases of their life. If it's not investing, it's purchasing their home for the first time or transacting a sale and being able to be the end part of that transaction of the title company, helping people protect their investments, but also be a part of their investment. And I really believe that as a title company and what we do is a very important piece of the whole puzzle. So I love that being that piece. And, and I love how every transaction is different and it keeps it every single day is different. Every client's different. And this business has been nothing but learning. And that's why I'm here. And they call me the queen because I've actually self-educated and learned and evolved with this business and come out with solutions that can help all parties and all professionals in the real estate business in general to help grow in their knowledge in real estate, but their knowledge and title and why it's so important. And that's why we're here today. Actually, recently only met in person after the COVID thing, but I have seen you around in the Houston area for years, helping investors and homeowners. And in fact, today, if you can see the video, Rachel's in her new branch. So they're expanding. Business is good. Business is good. We're in Woodlands. I'm expanding in Woodlands. This is going to be our Woodlands location. We're off of Sawdust over here for 45. And so we're in a conference and there's not much going on in here because we're setting up IT, getting phones implemented. And so Unfortunately, I don't have a lot in the background. This is a new conference room. We have, I would show you the boxes. I'm a little embarrassed, <laughs> but we're getting set up. There's computers over here on the floor. We're setting up stuff. It's new shop, but it's all the process, but I'm excited. I love opening up a new location to service and expand for our customers out there that are needing us in other areas of town. Congratulations. That's good news to hear. So let's start off with what is title insurance? I demand it right? As a lender, I always demand a lender policy. So explain why am I crazy? (laughs) No, you're not crazy. You're a smart man. And I advise all to do the same. Title, it's protecting your investment, right? We do our due diligence from the sovereignty of a property. So if you're a lender and you are giving money out to someone, or if you're someone just purchasing a property, you want to know what is on that property. Just because you see the person who signed the contract is the person that's registered in the CAD or the tax records, just because their name is on that, let's just use Harris County, Montgomery County, or any county, Tarrant, it says, oh, you know, XYZ person, and they're on the tax row there, and they're on the CAD, and they signed the contract. That just doesn't mean they're the only person that's entitled to that property or there's not any other issues. And what it does is protect the consumer, the lender, and all parties of the transaction because you don't know what exactly is going on with an individual, their personal finances, if they're filing for bankruptcy. I mean, there's just so many variables that can go on and on why you need title insurance to protect yourself because then your money or your investment or your purchase could be in a legality that will forbid you or or not allow you to 
forward, go with going forward, sell the property, do a refinance cash out on that property, because there might be some other encumbrances that prevent that entitled that were not caught because there was no insurance and due diligence done prior to. So it protects you guys because there's so many variables in Texas, especially because it's a community property state as well. That's another, you know, wrench in there. But there's so many variables of why a property can get. It could be uninsurable, number one, but it could also be a bad investment when you thought it was a good investment. And that's a preventing bad investments. That's why. Why do you get title to prevent from a bad investment? Bottom line. <laughs> Texas being a community property state, that divorce may not be final. That spouse may, you know, have a legal title or, you know, a legal right to 50% of that property or a son, a daughter, um, the black sheep of the family could come back all of a sudden and say, hey, that was granddaddy's house and I'm entitled to, you know, something. Right. From it. And There's an interest that belongs to me. Where is it? Why didn't I get paid? Who sold this? Where's my money? You know, did you get title? Go to the title company. <laughs> but no, if you don't have title insurance, you're just like, hey, well, you owe me money. And then there could be a whole legality. And that just was what, at the end of the day, ended up being a bad investment. So that could have been prevented. So at the end of the day, I believe title, if you're asking me, why do you need title insurance to prevent you from making a bad investment? Well, one, I don't pay it. The borrower does. That's better. But it is a small price to pay to avoid letting your money be held hostage. Getting into that, well, we've got to clear up this title and it's going to take the lawyers a couple of years. No, no, I only loaned it for six months. Well, I can foreclose all I want. doesn't matter. I'm not going to get good title back to that. You know, I won't have clear title to that property if I have to foreclose. So for me, it's avoiding holding your money hostage. So that's- You want to make money on your money, not have it tied up in legalities because of not being informed or not having, you know, not doing your due diligence, not allowing a third party like a title company to do the due diligence to protect your investment, to protect you. So you can get your money, be in and out and move on to the next project, next borrower, whatnot. Yes. No, that's the beauty. If there is something that's missed, that's why there is title insurance, right? To remedy the situation, to make everybody whole. That's why the title company does their job. And if there is something in the case that there is, does happen. In the case that there is, you're insured, you're protected and the title company, that's why they have underwriters. That's why they're an insurance company. And that's why you pay to protect you and then fix the wrong. Right. So, and gives you the mind. Yes. Just for everyone, like title company is no different than any other insurance company. They're going to be regulated by the state, whatever state they're in. They're going to have to follow the rules and they're probably going to have standard forms from that state that they use at least to get started. And then things change and go all other areas. And that's where we're going to go into all other areas. When a borrower or say my borrower finds a property and I agree to borrow, he opens title, begins the title search with Patriot title. And then we get a title commitment, right? And this is that title commitment is going to talk about any exceptions that won't be covered in insurance. And there's exceptions and there's also exclusions. And anyone who has auto policy or a homeowner's policy is going to know that certain things are going to be excluded, right? radioactive waste coming from your garage would be excluded from a homeowner's policy, for example, right? When you get a title commitment, the title company's gone through, done their research, done their due diligence and said, okay, you know, we can trace it all the way back to sovereignty, which I like to say is when we stole it from Mexico or the Indians, either way, either way yeah, you want to look at it. Texas or New Mexico. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> whenever we said we're putting, the, yeah, we're putting a fence around this land and I'm calling it mine. So this, <laughs> anyway, you go all the way back, but then the, the, now. that's a whole other topic now. <laughs> that's, a whole, yeah, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so you get a title commitment and there are certain things that title won't cover, right? So if somebody hasn't paid back taxes, for example, right? Title doesn't come in, step into that. But as part of the closing process, 
title company ensures that those taxes are paid or deferred. However, credit is given to the buyer. The bottom line is those taxes are going to be handled at closing such that that exception won't come into play. Before we got on the line, I had a better thought about this, but all conveyance is like, you know, the property is being conveyed clear of debts and liens for the new consumer, the new borrower. So the title company at closing will ensure and assure the lender and the new purchaser that the property that they're receiving is going to be free and clear of debts and liens and not to exclude taxes, HOA any other underlining lien holders that might be on the title or that might have any derogatory authority to foreclose that would affect the new owner. So we make sure that all debts and liens are paid in full. So the new owner or the new borrower who's getting the property is receiving it with only their new lien holder or their obviously as a free and clear investment of paying cash. But yes, we do ensure that all debts are paid in full upon conveyance. Conveyance is transfer of title, guys. Conveyance means a transfer of title from one party to another, one person to another, right? Or entity. Another example is conveyance or the right of possession. If the house is sold and let's say there's a tenant, a renter in it, then that new owner has to honor the lease that that tenant is under until the you know, completion of that. However, if there's a problem with that title, it's like, that has nothing to do with the title of the property, that's the property. And so that is an exception to do anything as well. Tenants, anything with the physicality of the property in reference to being a landlord type of situation. We only, our insurance is only to protect the title, the actual debt and the lien, the conveyance of predecessor to predecessor, owner to owner, owner to owner throughout the years to make sure that every owner conveyed that property without any debt or lien or clouds in title. The conveyance is a very clean and clear pass-through of owner to owner throughout the years. So we're here to ensure that no one from 40 years ago is going to come and have some right to a property that you purchased here 40 years later. We make sure that all of that is a clear conveyance of title throughout the years for you, the end buyer and owner, to have good title. Now, in reference to somebody living in the shack behind the house, and we have nothing to do with it, that's something that's negotiated through the contract process. We are here just to ensure the history and the debt and the ownership conveyance, the ownership lineage of title now in reference to who lives there and how or damage that's contract stuff. You don't care about the use of the property. It's just the conveyance of the title. <laughs> and the debt. And that there's nothing there that's going to come back uh, that we pay for, you know? Yeah. Wells Fargo is not going to come back and say, no, we're going to foreclose now. I don't care if you just bought it. That's not going to happen. Wells Fargo. We made sure Wells Fargo got paid off in full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. That's what we do. And some exclusions are, you know, he was talking about exclusions, which wouldn't be landlord stuff, but it would be some of the city stuff. Your Some of your exclusions to title would be city easements, some right-of-ways that might maybe property might be backed up to a utility right-of-way. Those are some of the things that are excluded in the title just because of the fact that the utility districts and the counties have rights to do what they need to do for the community. And if your property happens to fall in an easement, then your part, that would be excluded from your title because we cannot ensure that the city won't come in on your property and dig up an easement or something to put new pipes or new fiber optics that might affect your property. So we won't ensure something like that would be considered an exclusion. And those are usually on schedule B. Discussing the schedules, right? A, B, C, and D. Yes. 
I think I'm skipping around. Let's just run through the schedules of a title policy real quick. So when you go open title, as we left off, you open title, then we get title back. The title commitment's ready from page your title and we send you out your title commitment. Okay, your title commitment's ready and here's a copy of the tax certificates, preliminary taxes of what we found. These are all our findings. This is what we do. Our, this is our due diligence. So we say the commitment I consider is kind of like your Bible of what we do in due diligence. It's going to have everything on that commitment that and the tax. Search. This is what we're basing our due diligence. This is just all our research available now. Schedule A is going to show you basically who is purchasing it. That would probably be yourself or your client. Who the lender is, who's lending the money, if they ask us to put it on that front schedule A and what the loan is going to be for based on the contract you provided us. That's also on the very bottom, it's going to disclose who the owners of record are, who the vested owners are. Now that's going to be reflected. Why that's so important is that has to be the same person who signed the contract, right? Because someone who signs a contract has to be an owner in the property. So let's just say Gerald signed the property, but it's actually the property is Gerald Jr. signed it, but it's really Gerald Sr. who's the owner of title. So Gerald Jr. really is not the owner. Gerald Sr. is. So Gerald Jr. should not be selling this property or doesn't have rights to sell that property as it states in title at this point. Now, there could be some variables that maybe Gerald Sr. died and now he's an heir. We're going to a whole different spectrum of things, but it's really important that you look at schedule a, because it tells you who's a seller and if that person who sold it is the same person that signed your contract. Okay. And, or, and, or is there someone else that's on the ownership as well as the person who signed your contract? It could be multiple owners, but only one signed your contract. So that's another, well, who's this other person? I know you, Gerald signed it, but who's Sally? Why didn't Sally sign the contract? Does Sally know that you're selling this property? Where's Sally? So what this does is open up your knowledge of who actually owns this property just because you see Gerald on taxes and you see Gerald on the contract, but there's a Sally that's actually some a long way along the line got herself entitled with Gerald. And that's where we find that that's where we start our due diligence. And it's really important for all parties to know that vested ownership is really, really important. Schedule A is really important for that because you get to know who owns the property, truly owns it. So, and sometimes it is just who was on the contract. Yes, I'm the owner and I sold you the property. But we find, you know, investment deals, good deals, you know, always have a little bit of, you know, there's always a little hair on there. So there's always a curveball somewhere. So we, we were very meticulous to make sure we do our thorough due diligence to make sure that you guys are protected and the right people are, are conducting the, and facilitating the right pros and on the contract and on the sign and sell. So schedule A is who owns it and who's buying it. Schedule B is going to be your exclusions. And if we're making exceptions, we put it to schedule B. And that would be in reference to utility easements, any uh, county right-of-ways that might be particularly pertain to the property. It could be some deed restrictions that might be on there that might be particularly applicable to applicable to this property. There's Those are the most common, okay? deed restricted communities that would be utility easements, right-of-ways and Harris County easements. Those are going to be your most common exclusions just because all of those entities, they do have the authority to do, do certain types of facilities to the property or, or with the property that we ensure. Back where I was on this exciting topic on <laughs> Schedule B is where I was at, but there are 
some exclusions because you want me to discuss that too. There's some exclusions. Those exclusions would be some survey issues. Surveys are usually, if there's a fence line that's off, there's an encroachment on that fence line, we will still insure the property, but we're going to make an exclusion. That's going to be an exception. And we would exclude that from the coverage because that particular fence line could be off by just a few feet, a few inches. But here again, the neighboring fence, the neighbors, I mean, your fence is over their property by two inches. We cannot ensure that that neighbor is not going to come and say, hey, you need to move your fence over two inches. Now, we're not going to, that fence has been there for 40 years. We're not going to prevent a sale because of a fence being two inches over or a half of six inches. We're not, now that's something that we have to disclose to of course, all parties, the lender in particular, like, hey, are you wanting to lend on this property? It's, you know, the fence has been there for 40 years. We see, you know, on predecessor surveys, we're going to make an exclusion. We're going to make an exception to this few centimeters because there's an encroachment. That encroachment is going to be put on Schedule B. But are you going to proceed forward to? Yes, they are because the fence has been there forever. There's been many sales before ours in the history of conveyance that there's been, you know, exclusions and exceptions to that fence. And that's a very, very common, I'm using that particular scenario because it's the most common one in the city of Houston and the city of many Metro Dallas or Dallas, we get that at Dallas, Tarrant, El Paso. It's those, any large Metroplex and the replats get changed around, things happen throughout the years. The fence is the most common exception that and that title companies make on a regular closing basis because of the fact that the fences are just something got built years ago and maybe they didn't have the proper survey at that time or the technology to do that survey. And they might've built it just off a little. I mean, but to prevent a closing because of a minute situation as a fence line is something that, you know, we allow the lender to just make a decision on, but as a title company, we will not insure it. And we make an exception to that. Now, if the lender decides they don't want to insure it either, and they don't want to, they don't want to go through the loan because we're not insuring it, then then that's the decision of the lender. They can very well do so, but it's, that's going to be a lender decision. Okay. Two inches of a fence on somebody else's property line really doesn't bother me. Have a garage on somebody else's property. I find that very bothersome. A good friend of mine, he said, look, he goes, I'm going to full disclosure. Everything's fine with title, except come to find out half of the garage or a third of the garage was on the someone else's property and a neighbor found out about it and was wanting to sell, carve out that little bit. And I was like, find somebody else. Y'all handle that. I'm not going to you know, rectify it, get it clear. And they never did. So I didn't lend on it. I, you know, My money didn't get tied up in that. So I, I don't have to worry about that. But I like that could be obviously cleared out. You know, they could do some indemnities to that. And there's some ways to go around that, that little neighbor. I mean, there's ways, there's always solutions to things, right guys. That's why, you know, you have to have a title partner that knows, you know, ways to assist you to get things through when odd situations happen to give you knowledge. Yes. Those situations can be worked through. Clearly there's ways to get those things done. But I mean, if like yourself, if you want me to lend on that now and you guys don't have a plan of action, I'm not giving my money on move on next deal. And of course the title company could still insure on that. I mean, to be honest with you guys, we will still insure on it because we, we are just going to make an exception to that garage. So if anything comes where that neighbor says, hey, you guys got to tear down your garage. Well, we got title insurance on this. Well, no, we made exceptions to that garage if you see it on Schedule B because that garage was on the neighbor's side. So now if the neighbor tells you to tear down your garage and build a new one on your side, then we're not accountable for the cost of that garage or whatnot because we insured the land that you 
owned between this these boundary lines right here that garage over the land that is we insured on we we gave you title insurance on this square here that garage is over here we're not insuring that because that's over on his side and that's if you want to kind of put it black and white that's how as easily as it can be explained right there so that garage is not insured because it falls over the line of what we say we're insuring we're insuring this lot and block that garage is over there on that lot and block next door we're not insuring that Guys, that's how you would determine an exception or an exclusion. Yes. It doesn't happen often, but it, it does, does happen, happen so here and there. Uh, it does, but not so often. Well, yeah. the garage scenario in the Houston Heights area, there's a lot of those scenarios happening uh, around 9th Street, 8th Street, 7th Street by Alexander. If, if you're familiar with that area, there was a replat with the city. It's been all over the news. I've been here about five or six years ago, but they shifted some of the plats because there's a running trail right there that they put right there by the Bayou running trail. And so some of those properties got shifted over. And so that's a big legality with the city of Houston as we speak. But that's something some interesting. We're actually a part of that feature title. We were actually part of this with the city cleaning that up. That's an interesting story, actually. we're going. That's another podcast. <laughs> that's another episode then, yeah. Schedule C, what do you got for Schedule C? Schedule C is debt and lien. It's what's on title. It's what's owed. It's with the money. It's it's what where foreclosures, liens, tax suits, child support liens, judgments. If there's a bankruptcy, if there's a divorce, if there's a probate, anything of public record, county records that are referenced to the owner of that property or to any predecessing owner of that property, anything that has attached to that property or to the owners or previous owners of that property will be right in Schedule C. So when we go into title, as I say, it's kind of, it's our Bible, how we base our due diligence. It's, we go, we look at A, we kind of skim over B, nothing big, no red flags. Okay, right into C, because C is where we're going to really start the insurance piece of it is where we're finding, is there debt? Is this seller have a child support outstanding liens to the child support? Does he have any franchise taxes that are attached to his name from the previous business? Does he owe the IRS money? Is there any federal liens that have been attached to title because he hasn't paid his taxes or Besides, is there a mortgage, an outstanding mortgage? Is there a second mortgage? Is there a pool loan? Did he take out a loan to get build a pool and there's a loan on there for a pool? Anything that could have been or added on to the title through the individual or through a loan type of base would be on Schedule C. Schedule C is the debt or any debt that could be attached to the property. And that's where we start paying off and clearing title from Schedule C. And then Schedule D tells you the premium, the amount, all the parties to the title company, our insurance, who are who are the important people there, who your underwriter is, and all the logistical stuff for the actual title company and the title underwriters is going to be on Schedule D. So most important is A, B, and C. Schedule D is like the fine print. Which is really important. It tells you about what a title insurance is and some of all of our bylaws and laws on Schedule T. A, B, C, and D, obviously. I want all of them to be in alignment, but yeah, I'm looking for any exceptions. And, and obviously, you're taking care of the debts and liens at closing. So that sort of alleviates that worry for me. And that's why I like closing at a title company. It's a must. If you're doing private lending, if you're a lender, absolutely, it's a must. You must enforce in it and you must demand that any borrower closes through a title company. And if anything, you can get lenders coverage as well. It's not for as a hard money lender, you can also request lenders coverage to protect your loan as well, besides just the borrower's owner policy. As a private lender, you can also get lenders coverage, which will protect your investment as well. 
I forgot to mention in the beginning, you're basically two title policies. There's one for the buyer or the borrower, whoever's purchasing the property. So the buyer policy or borrower policy is usually for the amount of the sale. Whereas the lender's policy is usually just for the amount of the loan. I like to put a little contingency in there just because you never know. And since it's an insurance policy, and if I want an extra 15%, that's just wrapped into the premium. It's calculated out and my lovely borrower pays for that premium. And now I have my title policy. As long as my money is out, then that title policy is in effect for to protect my money. Correct. Your money as well. And I always encourage any private lenders to get lenders coverage just to protect your investment and your loan into the property as well. So I think it's really important. I think that's something that a lot of private lenders are not doing. They're getting educated to do now, but they were just basing their loan criteria on just borrower being able to get an owner's policy. But if they're paying for it, I would say get the lender's policy as well to, to protect your investment. It's a must. You don't do it without it. You know, there's no loaning without it. So if the borrower is paying for it, it's just a no brainer. I mean, it's, it's the must, right? So insurance, title insurance, there's the four schedules, A, B, C, and D, and all of them are very important, but I would say for exclusions and exceptions, B, for curative debt and lien, C, and those are two very important schedules in them. That's basically how we base our due diligence and ensuring if a property is insurable or not, we base that off of our commitment and those schedules. There are exceptions and exclusions that title won't cover. However, there are in certain cases, certain things that you can pay to endorse into the title policy. It's going to cost a little more, but instead of going so far into the weeds, sort of what are the most common endorsements that you see attached uh, brought on? We're talking about survey. You know, that would be your endorsement for your survey. I would say that private lenders and cash, we consider when you're writing up a contract, we consider that as a cash transaction, right? Because it's like card money, private lending. Y'all write up the contract as cash. Most investors do. That's a request for the lender to request survey coverage, right? Cash borrowers and private lenders don't necessarily ever request that survey coverage. And here again, we're talking about knowing what you're lending money on and giving coverage on a survey. So I believe that if you're lending inside the city, of the city lot and block, you could request for survey coverage. It's a uh, hundred and something bucks and it basically covers everything inside the property. So if there's, if we gave you cover survey coverage, we're ensuring that everything within that property is insured. There's no encroachments. There's no exceptions. We're not making any exceptions to the survey. So it's very important that our underwriters review your survey as well. Besides any utility easements, if we made an exception to each, we will let you know if we're making exceptions. Survey coverage is very particular and specific to any exceptions that we would insure and cover. Like, So let's just say we gave you survey coverage and there was an encroachment and that we didn't inform you and we didn't make an exception to it. And there, let's just say that garage situation that we're talking about and the title company did give you survey coverage and we didn't you know, make an exception to that garage and we did see it on that coverage, we would in turn have to pay for that neighbor's garage because we gave you survey coverage and we didn't make an exception to that encroachment and we didn't inform all parties. So you bought a house with title insurance, with survey insurance. Then later on, you find that there's an issue of your garage three feet in the neighbor's yard and nobody at the title company and no one informed you and you got title insurance is a good deal. You can't resell the property. The title company in turn is now on the hook because number one, we gave you survey coverage and we didn't inform you of that encroachment and we didn't make an exception to it. So that would be something that the title company in turn would have had to be paid for if we did 
notify all parties based on the survey review. But we don't necessarily request a survey because we're here again, we're doing our due diligence on the debt and lien of the property and how the property was conveyed throughout the years. Now, survey coverage, you're going into the actual physicality of this block. This We're insuring this land here, but once we get a survey, it's actually specifying all the structures and fixtures on that land. If there's a pool, if that pool got built over a utility easement that we weren't that now we see, okay, we can't insure this property because now we see that the pool, you know, the gas company can come tear up your pool because you didn't build your pool properly. There's an easement that you built the pool over. Now you're going to come to the title company saying, hey, we have survey coverage. Why didn't you tell us our pool that we bought this house was over a, the gas line? Now here we are three years later, they want to tear up our pool. So like they're going to come and tell us that we have to pay for that, the title company. So there's so many variables, a barn, a pool, a shack, a driveway, a porta cache, a pergola. I mean, there could be so many things that could be attached to a survey coverage that a title company would be responsible for once we give you that survey coverage. You know, title companies are not supposed to be saying, hey, get more coverage. <laughs> we got to pay for <laughs> But I'm going to tell you what, if you're buying an investment, the title company does their job, there should be nothing to worry about. The title company say, get that coverage endorsement. There's different, there's RT, our environmental endorsement. That's going to be the environmentals of the property. That's going to be, so we're going to a little bit of more land. Like, okay, this property is not in a industrial district. There hasn't been any environmental infractions that will affect the property in itself under there's not like a chemical plant, like three blocks away from your house. And that it would be your environmental coverage that would hinder your property. So there's different endorsements that we can add on. There's, and, and they're variable to the loan. Okay. So not every endorsement is going to be for a purchase. Okay. So you guys got a, a refinance, a home equity, a cash out. These, they all have different endorsements that would be applicable to that type of purchase. So, and a lot of people don't know that you can't just ask for all the endorsements. They might not be applicable to your transaction. There's gaps endorsement. There is over 50 endorsements, but not all of them are applicable to each transaction. So that's very important. And endorsements is a whole another topic, actually. We can go on. That's so why I said, what's the most common? Survey. I want to see a survey on any property I lend on. I want to see a survey. And if they don't have it, they don't have one that's- um... Order a survey. You want to know what you're lending on. I don't know why people don't order a survey. Okay, I'm going to buy. I mean, some people, it's, people would order a survey for maybe a lot purchase, but any, I would say always get a survey. You want to know what you're buying. You know, and if the title company is covering, going to give you insurance on what you're buying, you know, you want to know what you're buying. I would always say get a survey. I don't do any real estate without purchasing a survey on the property that I'm purchasing. And survey coverage, lenders coverage, if you're a private lender, require lenders coverage and definitely get a survey endorsement on your deal. Those are going to be the most common, easiest to obtain, and it's common business practices. So your commercial lenders do it. And why don't, wouldn't a private lender do it? Getting a survey and having survey coverage is the same. This is going to be a kind of a funny for you because you're in Houston as well. But it's to me, it's like flood insurance. If you can't afford a few hundred dollars to protect me, then you're not my borrower, number one. Do the math. You're buying a, a six-figure house and you can't come up with a, a few hundred bucks at closing to make sure your lender is going to be good. You're an investor as well. You've been around in the community. We are, and real estate investors are a notoriously cheap bunch of people. They don't want to spend any money. <laughs> so. Okay. I did. I'm the host. I said it. So hey, he said it. I, I, right. I do not confirm, but I do not deny. You can ask my daughter. She'll tell you how cheap I am. Oh, hey. <laughs> Rubbing two pennies together. 
love that. <laughs> and investors are a very frugal bunch of folks. And I do believe, you know, every penny does count in a transaction. I do agree with you guys on that. There's certain places where you squeeze and there's some certain places where you spend. And I think making sure you're having a solid, valid investment is a place where you spend a little, okay? You can squeeze a little bit on landscaping. You can squeeze a little bit on like window finishes, you know? You do spend a little on your investment of title and survey and knowing what you're purchasing and what you're ending and ultimately what you're going to end up selling if you're buying and flipping, right? Number one core value is ROI, return of investment. And that is what insurance is for to make sure that you're in, if anything happens, your investment, my investment will come back to me. So if I loan $100, my first priority is let me get that $100 back. You know, that's really important, getting a return on your investment and making sure you're protecting your investment. And this is going back to why do you need title insurance? Because you don't want to make a bad investment. You want to get a good return on that investment. Yes. And people say, oh, you don't need it because of this and that. It's always that one time, right? <laughs> you never know when that one time is going to come around and, and kick you in the backside. There's always the time where you get these good deals that come in the title company. It could have been that one time, but it wasn't that one time. It was just like, hey, title's not clear. They're still working on it. Title's not clear. They're still working on it. And you're that borrower still at the title company. That investor or whoever, the wholesaler guy who's selling it to your guy or whatever, they're still trying, we're still trying to get title good to go for your guy to buy it for you to lend on. So they're like, okay, title's not clear. Title's not ready. Title's not ready. There's a reason why we're still trying to fix whatever the issue is. So there is good title. So your guy can go and do what he needs to do and everybody make a a turn on money and move on to the next deal. That could have been that one deal your guy bought, you lended on and the title company, they didn't get title or the title company didn't do a good job or whatnot. And that could have been an issue. But if they just bought a cash from someone and you lent on the money and then all of a sudden there's a big issue on title there that didn't get fixed because once money's distributed and everybody's moved on, good luck getting people to pay you money back. And once that deal is closed and the money's exchanged, it's that's why we hold that, you know, the transaction hostage until everything is done and everything's good to go to close. Because once money is exchanged, good luck on getting money back from anybody that's already taken it and it's on their way. Wholesaler, seller, whoever that, even from the entities trying to get money back from the taxing authorities, anybody, it's just a hassle. So we want to make sure that when we're point to fund and close that it's ready to go and there's no backtracking once we've done the due diligence and the files ready. But that could have been a transaction that could have been a bad one. But because, you know, we're all waiting for title to get ready to close the titles, doing the work, titles, doing the work. That's preventing a bad investment for all parties. And sometimes we do it fast. Sometimes we do it. Oh, that's my we're doing airship affidavits, you know, people dying in testate with not wills, trying to figure out what county, getting death certificates, getting things filed a record. I mean, there's a, making sure we have a good conveyance of title. That's a lot of work to make sure that when you're getting it, you're getting it free and clear. You got it rightfully so. No encumbrances. You can move on, flip it and make your money, pay your hard money guy and move on to the next deal. No issues. And sometimes title takes a minute. It doesn't always happen like this. There might be a lot of issues to clear. And I'm just talking about on my personal residence, you know, it took an extra few days just to make sure everything was cleared up on a few things. And once it was done, boom, close, everybody's happy and we move on. So yeah, people don't, don't have an ideal expectation. You know, we can get deals if title's good. We can close deals as quickly as three days to four days cash transaction. If title's bad, it could take up to six months gathering up a whole bunch of information, you know, to get it ready to close. It could be, you know, waiting for the judge in the county to sign off on something uh, for us to get approval from a banker 
bankruptcy court to release the sale. I mean, there could be so many variables that would prevent a sale, a, a good title, a transaction happening. And mm-hmm. she now with title being approved, it could be as quick as two to three days. It could be as long as six to eight months, you know, depending on different entities and variables. Every deal is different. Every loan is different. So indeed it is. Indeed it is. So how can people get a hold of you at Patriot Title and use your services? We're all over social media, number one, but our website is www.patriottitletx.com. We have 26 branches in the state of Texas. We're expanding out of Texas very soon. We have our newest branch in the Woodlands that we spoke about at the very beginning. You guys can reach me at rluna at patriottitletx.com dot com. Visit any of our locations. Find us on our website. We are here to service all and we are an investor friendly title company to top that all off. How about that? Very investor friendly. Yes. And we're one of the last title companies. There's a very handful of us. Most title companies now in the state of Texas and in general rule, we do not accept transactions less than $40,000. We won't even issue a policy on that. Most larger firms, most outfits are not insuring. If you bring a contract into a title company, that's $39,000 purchase price of a lot. Like, hey, you got to take that somewhere else. We don't take anything that's less than $40,000. That's what's happening now. But guess what? Patriot title still does. Because you know what? That $39,000 property, you're going to fix and sell it for $129,000 and you're going to bring it back to me. So we take all deals, good and bad. And so and we say bad in title because it's like small price. Usually <laughs> you know, the smaller ones are the most hairiest. We all know that. But, yep. Yep. but we add. are here to service you guys and build long-term relationships and partnerships. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to work together, guys. Absolutely. I hope so as well. All this information and all your social will be uh, for Patriot Title and Rachel will be at the uh, show notes page for this episode. Right. PrivateLenderPodcast.com. Hey, I'm so excited about your university platform, Private Lender University. Private Lender Academy, yeah, it's, it's coming Academy, out. Academy, Academy. Yeah. It's not going to look pretty on the first iteration, but it's going to get out there. It's going to get done. I will sell it at a discount. And then relaunch it. I'm going to spend the money and you know have nice PDFs and everything else. Oh, and, you got to you know. do it all. You got to do it all. Thank you very much. And like you said, this is not a very fun topic. To begin with, but you've put the enthusiasm into it. And I like it because I'm a lender and I like teaching people like this is important stuff. Thank cool. you so Thank much. Rachel Luna, Patriot Title. And there you have it, folks. I want to thank Rachel Luna for coming on the show today and providing a ton of value to you, Lender Nation, and to me. If you'd like more information about Rachel or Patriot Title, please head over to the show notes page for episode 139 or simply head over to PatriotTitleTX.com. That's PatriotTitleTX.com. Dot com. Okay, here's the deal. I don't charge money for this show, but there is a cost, and I'd be extremely grateful if you would help me drive awareness to the show to get the word out by leaving me an honest rating and review over at iTunes, specifically iTunes, or Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever platform you're using to hear my voice. But the review at iTunes will really help the most in the world of algorithms. That will help me in the show the most. It doesn't take that long, and it's a small price to pay for the value that I try to provide. And you just heard Rachel Luna drop all that knowledge. And I told you she was a hoot. She's a lot of fun. I really enjoy listening to her talk and explain title insurance because she actually makes it fun and thought provoking. Anyhow, that's going to do it for episode 139. And just a few final thoughts, please head over and join the Private Lender Podcast Facebook group. And remember to check out privatelenderacademy.com for more information on learning how to become a private lender, putting the power of the banking system into your investment accounts and I'll also answer your questions. Just fill out the form and I'll get in touch with you. 
So as I sign off, I'd like to say that in addition to self-awareness and mindfulness, I wish you safe and prosperous private lending. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Y'all take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.